Welcome back to the Dynasty Stock Market. Today, me and Dwayne have a sort of exciting version of ranking battles, I guess you could say. So it's the, our top 24 flex positions. I'll say that, but primarily probably running backs and receivers. So we'll say non-tight end premium, non-super flex, just like the skill flex positions. We didn't want to do super flex because it probably could have got messy. And I bet you that I would have had 13 quarterbacks in the top 24 and then it'd be kind of boring. <laughs> And I didn't want to do tight end premium because then I would have had two tight ends. So we're just going to do – Nobody wants to talk about tight ends, Luke. I know. So we're just going to do the top 24. We'll just say flex positions for the case of the video. Let's hit that intro and get started. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. All right, Dwayne. So obviously they can, as of now, see on the screen the difference in our rankings, or at least just the rankings um, in the middle. Yeah. And we'll talk about it, obviously. So one, how you doing? And two, do you have any statements you want to make maybe as to why you had have your list like that? Because there is some big differences. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'll jump out and say two things before we get going um, about how I rank for Dynasty, first of all, and why – there's going to be a big difference. One of the big differences between your list and my list that people can see right now, uh, at least when I first saw your list, jumped off the, the board to me. And it's something we've talked about already. Uh, it's those rookies and the rookie values. You know, I am still, as I'll be very clear, relatively new, five years or less into this dynasty thing. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to value um, rookie players coming in. But it's, it's so hard for me to sit here and say, you know, I see CEH on your list inside your top 10. It's so hard for me to sit here and say three, four running backs that you've got below him that I've seen do it before. I know are on offenses that commit to the run. It's, it's, it's hard for me to put him above guys that I know are going to do it. And, and it's, you know, there's a lot of emotional stuff tied up into these rookies and the potential potential is a very powerful thing in fantasy football. But as my, my co-host on my podcast tells me every fucking day, like, don't get emotional about fantasy football players. That's how you lose leagues. Um, so that's one of the big differences that you're going to see between my list and Lucas's list. Is he, he obviously has some more love for rookies, or at least rookie running backs, than I do. The second thing I want to say is, as I'm sitting down and, and ranking dynasty players, you know, I think the standard at this point is, when you're looking at a player and looking at the value for your team, you look three years out. I think that's what most people say. I take that one step further and I have a little bit of a formula again, like most things I do, it's almost mathematical, but not quite like real math because what the fuck do I know about real math? I was an English teacher for years, but uh, this is the way I do it. I, I go three years, but I, I, I weight those differently. Okay. So 60% of my evaluation for a dynasty player comes from year one. 30% of my valuation for that dynasty ranking comes in year two and 10% in year three. I don't look beyond that at all. And that year three, yes, I'm looking three years out, but if I'm thinking about three years from now, I think I said this last week, if I'm thinking about three years from now, I'm never going to win this year. Right? So it's a small piece of it. The biggest chunk as it should be for me anyway, comes from what's going to happen this year. And I'll, and we'll talk about that for a couple of the guys that I have on this list and why I have them where I have them. But, um, for me, it's, it's got to be weighted differently. I can't look at each of the next three years um, in, in equal weight 
to decide who I want my, on my team for today. Yeah, I, I think that like it, it really shows how hard it is to like feel super confident about like because dynasty, dynasty rankings there's so many variables you can take into account contracts future is the team going to have a high pick next year and just replace them their production this year next year or third year so yeah I think it's very systematic to how you choose it so I guess like my list with the rookies I, I guess I'm trying to get a good mix of the, your takes and absolutely going for the youth so it's hard to like fully gauge um that for sure so we'll start it off with number that's one of the lines that people dynasty owners have to toe right like yeah you people always say i want to win now but i don't want to cost it the future and there are there are there are some dynasty players that say fuck the future i'm winning now i'm all in there are some that say fuck right now i'm trading away all of my players for first i want eight of the 12 first round picks next year um, so there's so many ways to look at this and so many ways to do it. Like whatever you do, focusing here means you're going to fucking sacrifice something over here. Right. So like, do you want to balance it? Like you do did with the rookies. You want to just like I did say, hey, fuck the rookies. Like I'm just going to take the guys that I know can win now. It's, it's, it's so subjective. It's hard. It's, it's significantly harder to do than redraft rankings, which is where I've lived most of my fantasy life. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, I'm always big on, either sell the farm or go for it all because by doing that, you're at least completely giving up one side and you're not teetering with both sides. I think that's definitely a good uh, point to start off with there. So without further ado, the number one, it is not Royce Freeman. It is Christian McCaffrey for both of us. Um, And I guess a disclaimer would be, these are rankings as if like you could say each team was exactly equal like they're all B grades and you're just saying who has the most dynasty value at this next pick when you're coming up here. So it does not matter roster construction or anything. Dynasty startup. We're in a total dynasty startup yeah. draft with these rankings. That's how we have to look at it because it's not possible to do it another way. Yeah. CMC is the obvious one. Like there's no, you can't pick anybody else. From, right. Yeah. Like I think the biggest thing that I'm evaluating McCaffrey with this year in Dynasty and Redraft is there's 155 vacated targets on this team with a brand new coaching staff. So no matter how good Barkley plays, like it, it, it's not getting any worse for McCaffrey. I think that if the offense hits, McCaffrey goes up. If it doesn't hit, his receiving floor and the opportunity for more receptions keeps him at the one. So I think don't be dumb. If he's your RB1, don't try and mess around with it. Um, okay. Yeah, and Superflex, I have different views on my top couple picks, but that's a different video for sure. So right. CMC is, just, is CMC your one in Superflex or no? He is not. So I don't really he's know. Like, he stays at one for me. It's tough because that conversation, I think, has to do with roster construction a little more because you can't just argue fantasy points for a quarterback and a running back. It's kind of hard to gauge really what that means in terms of what you're giving up by taking McCaffrey and getting Josh Allen instead of getting Mahomes and I don't know, DeAndre Swift or something like that. So it's that one I think is more of a, you have to play the roster construction or how you want to build your team. So you just, but I'm not talking about roster construction. I know. Yeah. yeah that's like a different, that's a different video or a different conversation for sure. Maybe All next right, no, yeah. Number two, the Saquon Barkley, we just mentioned no matter how, how bad McCaffrey plays, he's probably still going to finish ahead of Saquon. I mean, is this strictly just – like, I think he's the most talented running back in the league by far. But his team, like, how much better can this team get in the three years if we're using your formula? I think it's hard to gauge. So, I think he's really just locked in as, like, the, the 18 points a game 
with the potential to get you the 30 that he's shown in the past. Yeah, Saquon is per touch the best the best player, the best fantasy player in football, but it, that's not a it's not an equal amount of touches and it's not an equal offense, but uh, you know, we've seen people I've seen people rank Saquon above CMC and and I argue it, but I argue it just to be cute. I mean, it's not they're incredible players and they're both going to score a lot of points if Saquon can stay healthy on the field. Um, who knows what his ceiling is, but the, yeah, they're one, two, easy one, two. For sure. Yeah. I don't think there really is no analysis given there. So this is where we differ right at the three. We had the saints teammates. You have Michael Thomas and you have Kamara. So I can just you can just see in my top five that I favor running backs a little more. Even if your team is running back heavy, you could say if you're bringing in roster construction, I just think they're more valuable um, I always like in my head when I'm drafting or just say this, you can assign a point total to how you value a position. So like say you weight running backs 0.1 more than the receivers, then take the fantasy points, multiply that by 0.1 and add that back on. If it exceeds, for example, Kamara, if the weighted average or the weighted fantasy points exceeds Michael Thomas, you would go ahead and take Kamara because you feel like he's more valuable. I just think Kamara is – you could say a discounted Christian McCaffrey because eventually they'll have to get another guy to run the majority of the rushes. But I think Kamara's receiving floor just keeps him at that top three. Um, I just don't think that's going to change. We see that every year, 81 receptions in his first three years. Um, so, I, like, I mean, just if we're doing projections, just chalk him in for 81 again. And I don't think that's really going to change for a while. But why do you have two receivers, but Thomas specifically uh, in this tier? Uh, so, you know, there's the old, there's, I guess it's not that old, but the adage about uh, dynasty receivers being more valuable over time than running backs. Um, running backs in the NFL today are far more replaceable at the top of, of the fucking group of guys than just about any other position in real football, right? So I could spend, you know, a, a ton of my draft value, draft value at the top of my draft in the first three rounds and take running backs, which I do that a lot in redraft. Um, but there's a chance that those, those three guys that I took at the top of that draft are off my team by year three because they're not on their own fucking NFL team anymore by year three. So there is a stability. There's something to be said for the stability, the dynasty stability of a wide receiver. Um, so you'll see I have receivers just a little bit higher than you do near the top and Michael Thomas specifically like he was he was the he was so much better than the next best last season sort of like CMC was so much better than the next best last season if you just look at like you want guys that are going to win you games are going to if your receiver is scoring better than every other receiver in by a hundred fucking points in the in the year that's going to help I think he's a valuable asset to have on the team so so I'd take him there and, and I do have another wide receiver here um, and I think you know, DeAndre Hopkins is what DeAndre Hopkins is, maybe the most talented athletically um, wide receiver in the league. And I think on a new team, solid situation, I think he and Michael Thomas are going to be the one too. I think they're going to just be head and shoulders above everybody else this year, probably next year as well, especially, especially Nook as that Cardinals offense gets just a little bit better. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault you for putting a bunch of running backs at the top. I just, uh, I, I, I want, I want a little bit of stability Long term, I don't know. I don't know. Look, I don't know that Kamara is going to be on this team in three years. And as hard as that is to say, he's a stud player and he's been so valuable to this squad, uh, the Saints, that is. Um, you just don't know with running backs. Like, nobody wants to fucking mm -hmm. pay to keep running backs on roster. 
Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think this year's his contract here, if I remember right. It's the Dalvin Cook mix in that whole draft class for net. Yeah, that would be the this year then. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know because Aaron Jones is also in that class. They play kind of similar roles on their team. So I think that'll be this will be a big year. I think in terms of by midseason, you might know more to capitalize on that. But yeah, so back to Michael Thomas. I saw a stat today, like actually like right before we recorded this. The if you took the Chiefs' highest scoring receiver every single game and like added them together to make a they will just say the Chiefs wide receiver one, Michael Thomas would have outscored him by fifty four points in total. So like that's that's crazy to think about. So he is far and yet, and away. Yeah. And yet Michael Thomas finished exactly zero weeks as the wide receiver one. Did you realize that? Zero weeks. But he was a in a, in, in a in dynasty 12 league, weeks, right? But, in a but, dynasty league, that's huge. Like that that is what can keep you afloat. So I don't I don't mind him at a three. I have him at oh gosh, six. I, I have Hopkins down lower, but it's that. not that he's far behind in terms of like he my tier one is Michael Thomas, Devonta Adams, Chris Godwin, and then my tier two is Tyree Kill, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and DJ Moore. So it's not like they're he's like all the way down there. It's just because I favor the running backs, obviously. But yeah, yeah, if they can get this offense rolling to what they were they're projected to be with Cliff Kingsbury, I think it'll be very scary. Um, I think we'll see a little bit of a dip year one because his market share is not going to be thirty percent. But I think we can eventually see yeah, the but chemistry is, build. Is up. it not? Who's threatening? Hopkins market share on this team like this year obviously fits he had a 21% last year that's probably not gonna I mean like not that like he's making Hopkins worse but like he's still gonna get targets if Kirk's healthy which I mean he really didn't miss that many games last year but he's healthy the year before he's getting a little bit but it's not yeah I get like he's not the reach man yeah but then they still have Akeem Butler Isabella which are hopeful hopeful plays so yeah. I see your point that he could definitely still be the alpha um there's just a lot of variables to take in with that for sure next up i have my him at my four you have him at the five ezekiel elliott i mean he's like the grossest player that i have to rank or draft or evaluate every single year because like i i want i want it i don't want it to get worse i i picture worse scenarios in my head for him but he always seems to produce um the only thing i'll say is mike mccarthy in his whole career in terms of running back touches or opportunities for the season uh, his the whole the whole running back room RB one through RB four is average a hundred less than what Zeke and Tony Pollard saw last year combined. So yeah, but, maybe the but there's an offensive coordinator on this team who was there last year, and, yeah. and there's not a lot of reason to believe you don't come in as a head coach and decide to keep the OC if your plans are to change the way the offense for sure, run. for sure. So I think that that's where I draw like the I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think I know, but it's the Cowboys. They paid the man $10 million, so they should run him into the ground. But they're also not paying their quarterback. So, like, I don't know what the hell yes. they're doing. I have so much hate for Zeke as a human being. I, I enjoy to watch Buckeyes struggle. I know we just talked about Michael Thomas, whatever. I enjoy to watch Ohio State Buckeyes struggle. And this guy in college with his fucking belly out, every, he, just made, he just rubbed me the wrong way. And I wish, I wish he were worse at football. I wish I could rank him lower, but – He's just so good on any given play with the ball. Like it's, it's, you can't, you just can't ignore it. You can't. Yeah. He's, he's, I, it's, it's not, and it's not an exciting pick by any means, but it, but it always works out somehow. Um, so yeah, he's at your five, my four. Um, is he, is he a tier? Well, okay. How do your, so is McCaffrey in a tier of his own or how do your top running back tiers kind of play out? 
Um, I don't put McCaffrey in a tier of his own. I, I always struggle to put a guy in a tier all by himself um, just because, sure, he did it last year, but things have a way of averaging themselves out. To me, uh, my tier one running backs are CMC. I got CMC, Saquon, Zeke, and Kamara all in the same tier as, as my tier one. Kamara kind of tickles with that sometimes. One week he'll fall out of it. He'll fall back into it, whatever. Um, and and my next, my running back five, Dalvin Cook, same thing. Like sometimes I'll think I should put him up there. Sometimes I think I, I shouldn't. I don't know. But uh, I guess my, I guess my very solid, unwavering tier one is CMC's Saquon and Zeke. I mean they're just they're just too good. They're they're better than everybody else in the league. They're better than Kamara, I think, by a good bit. Like just better yeah, I, running. Yeah, I think Zeke. They can't. I mean, they can obviously cut him and take the cap hit eventually. But it's like they can't make a smart football money move for like three years. So like just chalk it up that he's there for three years. Probably just going to run him out of, out of his shoes. Might as well. He's efficient runner. Um, keep, keep what works for sure. Um, so like you said, you have Kamara after Zeke. So at your six overall at my six, I have Michael Thomas. Same thing goes. He's the one guys. One. Yeah. I just, you I gotta just tell your fucking boys to shut up on Twitter. My goddamn phone won't stop. Are they going crazy right now? Man. Jesus Christ, you kids oh, are fucking communication platforms. I get a tweet from you 12 minutes later, it's a DM. Then I get a Slack message from you as well. Like, hey, just stop. Just leave me alone. You, I just need to like text you. I, I feel like that's probably the more efficient, efficient communication. Nah, that, that means I have to give you my phone number, and I don't want to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I guess like we skipped over one guy for me at the five is Joe Mixon. Um, I This is purely a the offense hits ranking here for sure. I just like, I mean, at minimum, he's like our running back seven. I think you could say like what you saw last year, but if this offense gets any better, I just think we see a rise in production. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Better offense, more fantasy points. So that's kind of my reasoning for him at the five, which you have him. I don't I have know. 11. Numbers. Yeah. He's, so, man, 11. That's, he's my running back six. And, and if we're talking tiers, wherever, Kamara and Dalvin end up falling. Um, let's say they they start tier two. Um, he'd be my last tier two guy. Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, I think are all kind of right there. Um, they're my running backs, four, five, six. I've got some wide receivers thrown in there, but I think Mixon it has the, the, the volume potential to be right there with these other guys. Yeah, and he has a contract um, question mark this year too. Um, but that whole class is, was just loaded, so there's so many players that we're talking about that'll be going into their contract year. Um, and we, we can talk about the other one right now, Dalvin Cook. So six. I'm mad. I'm mad at you about this Dalvin Cook thing. I have him at running back nine, and this is the one the one running back that I'm standing pat on where I evaluate him. So contract issue, not issue, but question mark. He's not under contract for next year. The Vikings are projected to have the second least amount of cap space next year, uh, 2021. Obviously, they can – maneuver that and make more cap space like stuff happens from now until then but my thinking is they went out and drafted Madison as just a backup a handcuff or just a change of pace slash handcuff with a lot of upside that's fantasy terms but it still kind of applies to maybe why they drafted him my thinking is that yes he's a beast when he plays but why if they're in him being a cap uh, bind would they pay an injury prone running back when they have a guy like Madison and we see Mike Boone as much as everyone wants him to be a fantasy asset when he gets the one or two starts. He's still really efficient on the ground in terms of per-touch basis. But then it comes back to it's still the Vikings. They've always had a workhorse. So I don't really know the direction that I want that I think they'll take. Um, I, as you can tell, I kind of play the whole like uh, 
analytical money approach as to they're always going to make the smarter money move, which is definitely not the case every single time. But I just want to stay congruent with my ranking. So that's why I have him down there. Um, but that being said, if you can trade for him semi-cheap because an owner believes in it like me, go do it. If you can acquire him in your first round, go do that. But make sure you get Madison, stuff like that. I'm just a little concerned about his future in the league. Dude, Alexander Madison played a ton last season as well. It did not slow down Dalvin Cook, who, you know, the perception from last season is that Dalvin had a huge beginning of the season and then he fell off, but he did not fall off. He's just a beast, yeah. It's a misconception. Um, Fourth in touches per game in in the whole league last year. He got a ton of work. He got a ton of uh, red zone work. I think he missed a couple of games in there near the end. Um, So maybe his, his numbers look not quite as good as they could, but uh, he's a fucking stud on this team. You say injury prone, but he's, he's playing more and more games. Like he's not any more injury prone than any other running back in the league. What he tore an ACL his rookie season. Something like that. Yeah. That happens this, this, this day and age running backs come back just as good as they ever were off an ACL. He's, he's proven that um, 14 games last season. I think it's what he ended up playing. Look this season, there's a bit of a coaching change in here too. Gary Kubiak is going to be running the offense on the team. And Gary Kubiak is one of those coaches in the league. Um, and I, I spend a lot of time in the offseason looking at coaching changes because that's, I think, one of the most important things that happens in the offseason. Um, one of the most important things to look at when you're deciding what an offense obviously is going to look like but how a player is going to perform. And Gary Kubiak is one of those coaches that when he goes to a team, I sit up and take notice of the running back position. He's got a history of studs in this league that he's coached. Arian Foster was one of them. How about Terrell Davis uh, was one of them. But he's also got a history of taking really shitty running backs like Steve Slayton. Uh, Slayton went 1,300 yards under Kubiak. Mike Anderson, you remember him? 1,500 yards uh, under Gary Kubiak. Justin Forsett, I don't believe, is in the league anymore. He was a fucking Pro Bowl running back under Gary Kubiak. It doesn't matter who goes here. Uh, Kubiak runs what they call a balanced offense. Um, they run a, a misdirection offense, uh, and, and they, he runs an outside stretch play offense. Dalvin Cook's best type of run is the outside stretch play. It's his best play. That's where he's performed best going back to college. Um, Kubiak is going to come in here and make sure Dalvin Cook is a goddamn stud. Kubiak doesn't love to use a second back, even though Madison is real good, and he'll probably see some touch. He did last year, too, and it didn't slow down Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook's just too goddamn good. Everything is pointing in the right direction for Dalvin Cook, for me, to have a a repeat of last season. He's been running back five. He's, he's, like I said, tickling with that tier one, tier two for me. I think he's going to be fantastic. A guy that you can get cheap because there there are owners like you out there Mm -hmm. who who are down on him. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe they don't think like you that he's going to be back next season. But again, 60% of my evaluation has to come from what's going to happen right now. I personally don't see them moving off of Dalvin Cook next year because he's been such a big, uh, at least last season, was such a big part of the offense. When he came back um, two years ago, big part of the offense. I think they're going to stick with him because they're still in, as a team, they're still in win-now mode. You see, the teams that have less cap space tend to be the teams that are are close or feel like they can be close um, and they're willing to spend the money to make that happen. So I love him at my seven overall. I think that that shows how much I love him. And I'm I'm the guy that puts receivers near the top. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
It's and that being said, like I am a little down on him, but I'm not like fading him. Like I'm taking him with insurance policies um, in Madison. You've got him ranked at your as your like twelfth fucking player. That's I fit. now that you're talking, I'm probably gonna put him over Jacobs and Godwin. Um, Kubiak, baby. Check hey, the bro- hey, Broncos, man, Broncos. I, I remember those days for sure. Okay. All right, so we have an interesting one that we need to talk about here in Austin Eckler. Ooh, so. As Ooh, you can see on the screen, what are you doing? I have him ranked at three, six, eight, and you don't even have him ranked. Find, at yeah, all. find him on my list. There, yeah. So, um, okay, I get what he did last year, and we had this argument. Um, the video won't come out even when you're seeing this. We did our running back consensus rankings, and we had a little. Uh, it's it was a pretty lengthy disagreement as to why his volume, I that why that there's there's the overarching term of regression and why if you actually break it down it seems as if it won't happen it obviously can happen but nothing's pointing for regression so the one thing with him that I just want to throw out there is when Melvin Gordon returned 33% of his of his snaps weren't even in the backfield so that's to show that even if they had their starter which was Melvin Gordon it was Melvin Gordon like by far was the starter he started every game he outsnapped Eckler but they used Eckler in more efficient spots to get him the touches. They go out and pay him not big money, meaning that it's not a workhorse role, but I think they paid him relatively to say that you are a playmaker that's going to get your 10 to 15. Uh, I mean, he had like 18 opportunity game when Melvin Gordon uh, was gone, but he about 14 when he was there, that you're going to get those and that we are guaranteeing you that for sure. I think Aaron Jones is going to get that type of money. I think Alvin Kamara is going to get that type of money, hopefully this offseason because they kind of play similar 50% snap share, really efficient, high volume, uh, like in the red zone, touches like that. So it always comes down to me is that he's not really concerned about losing his job because is Josh Kelly really going to beat him out, even as a runner? And if he does, he'll just move out to the slot. I get that there's the whole quarterback issue with him, and I think people are going to be down on Eckler and redraft because they're like, Tyrod doesn't check down because he's mobile. Oh, if you remember, LaShawn McCoy was his best receiver for like two years in Buffalo. So I don't really think that's a viable argument. LaShawn McCoy you, was a great receiving back. But I'm saying like, like he was his best receiver no. because they got the ball in the, best, like in the playmaker's hands, which the, they obviously are going to do that by paying Austin Eckler. So really, I just think that he's just like a safe – I don't know. I don't even want to say like I have him ranked pretty high, but you're not ranking Dynasty based on like finish. You're ranking it on like their – dynasty value for the years to come so like it's tough for me to like break down because i don't know because in the short term obviously he's not going to outscore dalvin cook this year i wouldn't think if cook plays all 16 i think he's just really safe that's why i have him that high he's so so here's a i have a uh challenge a research i saw that i saw that now i I, my here's my research challenge for you i haven't done this research i want you to do this research for the next time we talk okay so you said uh, you began this argument by saying he wasn't in the backfield for 33% of his snaps. I want to know this. If you, can, if you can pull together this information for me. What were his fantasy points scored per play from the backfield versus his fantasy points scored per play from any other position? And I want to know that because he obviously, Eckler did, and, and I see a, obviously a trend with what you've been talking about, what your rankings look like. You love a receipt, pass-catching running back. That's your, that's your shit, okay? Yep. And he caught a ton of them. He, he had the second-most targets, second-most catches in the league behind CMC. He did all these things. I'm wondering, um, 
how much of that came from when he wasn't lined up as a, as a back. This year, going into the year, he is the starting back, right, which means he's going to be in the backfield um, more often than not. More often, think about before Melvin Gordon came back, how often was he in the backfield versus after he came back, right? Because if he's lining up in the backfield, I want to know what he's scoring from there rather than what he's scoring overall. So write that down, look that up for me, find it out next week. A couple of points to bring up from my perspective as I look up Austin Eckler. I know one of your favorite stats to spit out on this show is uh, DVOA. That's uh, defense adjusted value over average, right? Based play-by-play, how good is he better than anybody else? Well, finished running back 35, 10% below the average in the entire league. That's, that's not good. I mean, he's not a good running back to have on your team per play, according to this statistic. Uh, last season, he's, he, in six of his games that he played he, as a running back now, you say Joshua Kelly's not going to beat him out as a running back. Well, in six of his games as a running back running the ball, went over four yards per carry. In 10 of those games was under three yards per carry or four yards per carry. And in seven games last season, he was under three yards per carry. He is a wildly inefficient running back carrying the ball that is undeniable it might be best case for scenario for him to be beat out by Joshua Kelly I think Joshua Kelly by the end of this season I I believe in Kelly's talent what he what we saw on the field um, from him in college the team does he was his their third selection in the draft I know it was the fourth round but it was their third pick in the draft they spent some draft capital on him I think he's going to end up carrying the ball more often than Austin Eckler by the end of the season on a game-by-game basis and look one of the other issues is this Austin Eckler um, 17 total touches or opportunities last season from inside the 10-yard line between passes pass targets and and running back carries seven touchdowns on those attempts I don't expect Austin Eckler to be in the backfield Inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, maybe he'll line up outside uh, more often. But if he's this starting running back, like I just don't think he's going to have that many opportunities. 17 is not a huge amount, but it's a bigger amount than somebody like Austin Eckler uh, deserves. And seven of – how many did he have? 11 touchdowns? What did he score? I think, yeah, right around 11. Seven of them came from inside the 10-yard line. I cut that number in half for me this season. There's just too many red flags for a kid that's not very good running the ball. Um, he is a fantastic pass catching back, yes, but he should be drafted as a as a pass catching uh, pass catcher, not a pass catching running back, as far as I'm concerned, because he's not a good running back. That's what I see when I look at the numbers and break it okay. all down. So to me, I don't rank him as that. He's one of these kitschy guys in the in the NFL. It's where he belongs. That's a, that's a role that he can serve his team best. A kitschy player uh, that can create mismatches, but not as a top 10 or where you have him top eight or whatever i think he's right at eight or nine or something yeah not a top eight running back no no gosh okay that's my perspective i know he catches a lot of passes he certainly is not going to get 93 targets next year though that's not going to happen especially if he comes out as he's starting running back and they try to run the ball with him because uh, they're going to try to run the ball for sure okay yeah i mean i i I, yeah another another question where where did the team land last year in total plays run? Um, I don't know for them. I because I remember I, I think I looked this up because I think I mentioned it and I'm pulling it up right now. We so basically I think we can just kind of break it down. The argument was Miles Sanders not in dynasty and a redraft over Eckler, 
And they brought it up as that they don't care if a veteran signed to the Eagles because regression's coming for Eckler. And we sort of like broke down um, why that was, I guess, false. And we kind of prefaced it as like, is Josh Kelly going to come in right away? Because obviously they don't believe in Justin Jackson or they wouldn't have taken Josh Kelly, if that makes sense. Um, so the Chargers last year were third – no, sorry, tied for second from – so tied for 31st in total plays run. Okay, okay. So they'll probably – they'll probably run more plays, but I don't think they're going to run a ton of offensive plays next year. Their um, defense got better too, so that doesn't really go against like, – does, but it really – it'll probably stay close to the same. And I, as much as people don't want to believe, I think Tyrod is going to be good. Like the team is still going to be relatively good. Tyrod will do enough to keep the team afloat on offense, get the ball to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, and their defense will do all the work. So I think Philip Rivers, Rivers was so bad last year that it's going to be hard for Tyrod Taylor to be worse. I mean, he was so bad downfield that like it made no sense because they don't like, I mean, Mike Williams is a deep threat, but just get the ball to Keenan Allen and Nelson Eckler in the short game. And they just, well, he did that obviously, but he just didn't do it enough. So it, yeah, I don't really know the quarterback, Justin Herbert. Uh, I think they have a bye week 10. We broke this down in the quarterback ranking episode that um, like they might not even need Herbert this year. Cause if Tyra can sustain a, say a six and four, or I guess six and three going into week 11, they're not going to bench him for Herbert. So I think there's definitely uh Tyrod, I mean, just throwing this in there. Tyrod's definitely a good get in startups. I think he'll be the quarterback for longer than people are imagining there. And he's almost free. It doesn't belong in the top 24. Next up is um, one of Dwayne's anti-do-not-draft – well, draft, but do not draft to this current ADP players and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, Tyler hates CEH. I like him a lot. He was my number yeah. three um, going into the draft – Coming out of the draft, uh, he jumped up to my number one. It's just that he's a rookie, so I'm not putting him in this top in so, a rookie in a in a rookie in a bad situation for this year. So that sixty percent chunk of my okay. consideration is not great. So uh, well, I'll get into that. So we're just inserting this right now. Where do you think Tyler had Alaire ranked in redraft running back rankings? Full Re- PPR. Um. God, he fucking hates him. I would guess that he ranked him outside of the top 24. Uh, no, 20, 21, 20. but that was like – that was – oh, dude. That's you, low, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, his mm, – at his points when he was out, it was a terrible, terrible discussion for sure. <laughs> All right, so I have a layer here right after Eckler, and I'm with Dwayne that I think the ADP is getting out of hand for a layer that he's getting into the top 12 of even Superflex drafts. I'm seeing he's sliding into that back end, and – I think when you make that pick, you're committing to – like in your head you're thinking you're winning now because he's a first-round running back because they're going to throw him the ball a lot. But I think that you're sacrificing a lot when, you're, when you actually look at your team post-draft because then you're, you're getting him. Most people are going to be like, okay, if he's coming off the board, who's after that? Jacobs, Chubb. You obviously don't like those guys that much if you took a layer over him, so you might not take him. You're coming all the way back around in your RB2s – like at best Kenyon Drake would be like the best at the end of the third round. So you're kind of sacrificing a lot. And I think that um, I saw an interesting stat that there's three running backs in the top 12, like running back dynasty rankings in ADP right now. And Josh Jacobs, the uh, round one running back last year, who like was drafted in the workhorse role was RB 15 last year at the same time. So it kind of just shows the overreaction a lot. But to me, it comes down to, 
like I said, I've tried to balance win now ish and future um, to kind of make in my head the most accurate rankings I can. He's going to catch 70 balls a year next, like starting next year when he's the full time guy. He's the third weapon on the Chiefs, which is a really good thing because they're going to be focused on covering Kelsey and Hill. They're not going to care. They're eventually going to care about this running back out of the backfield, probably the slot a little bit here. But I, I get it. Damian Williams is there. They're not just going to throw him away. But I think we'll see a whole – usually, like, after the bye week, the rookie running back sees a couple more snaps. And then by then, he just kind of takes over. And Damian Williams is a free agent next year. So, I guess really – is it just because it's a rookie running back is why he's not even in your top 24 or is there kind of more reasoning to it? There's just, there's just too many guys that I, I know are going to do it and they're going to do it more quickly. Um, I, I'm concerned, you know, you say, so let's say Damian Williams is off the team next year. I don't know that he's the number three target. I mean, there's, there's other weapons on this team. Uh, what's his, what's his fucking name? That, yeah, and Mecole Hardman's out there who people fucking love, Mecole Hardman. Um, so maybe he's four. I don't know. Maybe he's fucking five. I don't, I, I don't know that he's going to catch 70 balls a year, like, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, with C- I'll, I'll say this about CEH. He deserves to be the rookie draft 101. Um, he, deser- he, is, he should be the highest ranked rookie running back this season in Dynasty or otherwise, even if he's not the most talented running back in this class. Uh, and, and that's because none of the running backs in this rookie class landed in good situations, at least for right now, right? In the biggest chunk of my consideration, they're all in at, at the very best um, timeshares. And, and at the worst, they're, they're going to be, you know, collecting 30% of the snaps. And that's not going to get it done for me. Maybe next year, maybe. You know, um, I was convinced, for example, that A.J. Dillon was going to have a huge opportunity after the team let go of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones after the end of this season. Uh, but what happens this past weekend, uh, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Jones start negotiating a new contract. So, you know, like we don't actually, we don't know for sure that Damian Williams is going to be gone next year. We don't know that Marlon Mack is going to be off the team next year. Um, Mark Ingram's still on contract for next year in Baltimore. We don't know that any of these things are going to happen. People are making uh, predictions and projections about what might happen, which is what we have to do. We have to prognosticate a little bit, but I'm less willing to take my draft capital and spend it on a prediction as, as comfortable as I feel with that, as I am something that to me has been proven. I've seen it happen. Yes, it's still a prediction, but there's more evidence to support that Delvin cook is going to be a fucking stud on his team um, over the next even couple of years then CEH is going to come in, take over the role, and he is going to be an amazing player for, for years to go. It may happen, but I want to go with the evidence that I've seen over, over projections and predictions. Sure. That's all yeah, that is. Like, I, don't, yeah. I, I like CEH, and I think he's going to be good, but I want, I, want, I want to go with what I've seen. For sure. All righty. Um, so we don't necessarily need to like dive into them, but I guess I have Adams as my wide receiver too in Dynasty, and you have him at your – one, two, three, five. So maybe is there a reason maybe why he's – is he in the same tier or just lower, or how do you kind of feel about Adams? I mean, Tyreek, Hill, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams, we're all right there next to each other at 8, 9, 10 in my rankings. They're all in the same tier for me. The only issue I have with Adams and why he falls below those two guys is just because I think there's a lot of uncertainty in Green Bay right now. Um, you know, will I, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be on this team much longer. He's, he's coming out pretty publicly and – uh, 
expressing his displeasure with Matt LaFleur and the organization in general. So there's just a little uncertainty. You know, I think all three of those guys should belong in the same tier where you put them. Doesn't, doesn't matter to me. I mean, I think you've got Godwin the highest out of those three and you've got him pretty high. Am I right about that? You got him as your overall 10, but uh, to me, they're all right there. I mean, they're all, they're all good players. That's where they belong. They belong in that tier two uh, uh, of the receiver court. For sure. And I think that just kind of goes to show that maybe just focus on running backs in your draft. Cause a lot of the same tier guys fall into round even five, like Robert Woods and, Terry falls to five sometimes. I think there's definitely a lot of value um, for running back heavy for sure. Next up, um, I guess we have you have Joe Mixon here at your 11, I think it is, and I have him at my five. Um, I think that's really just a product of the you evaluate receivers a little bit heavier than me. Um, and the whole the whole year going 60% year one, where I'm you could probably say have a third in each, maybe if that makes sense, or maybe a little less right away. Um, so I don't really think as much to distinguished there um so Nick Chubb we have him pretty close I think the one thing with Chubb I'm having a hard time deciding on is do you think there will ever not be a pass catching back in this backfield uh yeah Nick Chubb has never really shown that he's very good at it but what he has shown is that even if he's not getting the pass catching work he's so explosive that uh he's impossible to ignore his rushing yardage total every season that he's a Cleveland Brown is going to be 1500 and he's gonna go 1500 yards every fucking season um it's just what he does you know I I, there's a lot I don't like about Nick Chubb Uh, you know I hate him in the red zone I hate him near the goal line obviously I I love what Kareem Hunt brings value-wise to the table but the fact is even with Kareem Hunt on this team Nick Chubb was getting um you know top 10 touches every week during the back half of the season he gets the ball a lot and he does a lot with the he's so explosive his big plays come come seemingly every fucking seven carries and that's hard to hard to ignore for me so um yeah yeah I think there's always going to be a complimentary piece there but there are so few teams that don't have a complimentary piece at this point yeah Nick Chubb I think it can be can be nearly as effective as those guys that are in a backfield by themselves even with somebody taking some work from them yeah, I think that – I mean, I'm just going to throw this comp and transition to the next guy. He's kind of a mini Derrick Henry. So, I love to see that you have him in your top 24. I have him as my RB5 in redraft. I think people are buying into the narrative that we've never seen this happen before. It can't happen again. I hear that conversation with Lamar Jackson, and then I show him the numbers that if you put his passing at average, he still beats out Watson and Mahomes on a per-game basis, extrapolated out to 16. But Derrick Henry – um, last year in the playoffs, like when they were winning, if you remember that, when they went to the AFC Championship, 27 rushing attempts per game. And I make this argument, and people are like, it's not possible that he does that again. And in my head, I'm like, the offense didn't change. They lost Conklin, Isaiah Wilson. Isaiah Wilson's an elite run blocker, just like Conklin. I get that he might not be good right now, but he will fill that hole. They'll just run to the left side if they really want to. I don't really think they're too worried about it. They didn't add any receivers. A.J. Brown, as much as an alpha as we think he is, he's not good in man coverage. He's not commanding more than six targets a game max. They're just going to run Derrick Henry into the ground. And I think that even in Dynasty, he's still probably not terrible because if he becomes a free agent next year, he might just sign a Mark Ingram-ish contract. And we saw Mark Ingram's career get even better last year on a good team. So I, I, he was close for me right around – I think he's right after Kenyon Drake in like my overall Dynasty running back rankings. but. Um, 
I mean, I'm assuming this is like the whole 60% year one, but maybe how do you feel about him this year over anything? I think, I think he's fucking great this year. I'm taking him early all over the place. Redraft, obviously, uh, but people are, for whatever reason, they're just fucking hating on him. Just again, because they expect it not to be able to happen again. They say, oh, he's a little older. Well, yeah, he's been in the year for a few years, but up until what the last 20 games, a year and a half, he hasn't done any, like he hasn't touched the ball. Like, so Mm. he's still fresh. Um, he, not only is he still fresh, but he's fucking huge. Uh, and not only is he fucking huge, but he's not even getting hit that often, right? He's not having to run through tackles as often as you think he is. The dude is 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 going untouched for far too many yards down the field far too often. And that's the only reason he can ever get up to 20 miles per hour. The dude takes 35 yards to get to full speed. But um, he's he's just a really good running – like he's a, he's a fucking good running back. He's just hard to tackle. That doesn't change. If he's 29 years old, that doesn't fucking change. Um, will you know? I don't necessarily expect the Titans to sign him uh, back after this contract is up. But like you said, there's room in the league for a guy like this. There are a lot of coaches that want a big fucking back that can impose his will. There are plenty of old school coaches out there still that want that. I think he's going to be fine for the next couple of years this year, you know, I'm not surprised if he finishes a top three back again this season. Um, And, and beyond that, I think he's going to find a home and he's going to get usage. Worst case scenario in the future, after he leaves the Titans, he becomes a guy that's relied on to score touchdowns in close. He becomes LeGarrette Blunt who had his best fantasy football season as a what 45 touch a season kind of guy, but he scored 20 touchdowns out of those touches. So Um, plenty of value yet to be had for Derrick Henry. I'm I'm taking him wherever I can get him. Again, another guy that's really discounted just because of it. Yeah, I think he that not, he's not inside yours. Where where is he in you? You didn't he's have not, he's at my 25. Just because I think Kenyon Drake can. They're completely different running backs. I think the one year production of Drake can not match, but kind of overcome with the age. I I'm gonna have to readjust a little bit because now that I kind of talk myself into Henry as well, I'll figure something out for sure. And I think the thing with Henry is that if he really can't do it again. He wouldn't have done it against the Patriots defense last year, the Ravens defense last year. And they, the, tight, the Titans were one stop, like one Patrick Mahomes scramble away from like having that whole game under their tempo. Like that scramble led to 10 points before halftime. Like, like that was a game-changing play. They make that stop. They probably would have rode Henry. They probably would have – like I think they would have beat up on the Niners. I think they would have just ran – as much as good of a defense the Niners, I think they just would have ran down the Niners' throat that front seven would have just taken control of Jimmy G, and I think they would have been the Super Bowl champions, as gross as that is to say that the Titans would have won the Super Bowl. But yeah, I love Henry for I sure this year. It. Oh, that's gross. But Josh Jacobs up next. I, I love Jacobs, and I think I might even be a little too high on him. He's just not going to see a boost in receiving work. Like DeAndre Washington, I think he had 40 targets last year. Devontae Booker, Lynn Bowden, the three new receivers, Jason Witten are all going to eat into the vacated targets. They're probably going to take some of his from last year. Probably going to take some of Jalen Richard. So you're really banking on a Derrick Henry-ish type of role where he's just going to get 20-plus rushing attempts a game. How about a, Nick two- Chubb? How about a Nick Chubb role? I mean, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb doesn't get the receiving work. That's on true. Team. The difference is Josh, Josh Jacobs can score from close. Jacobs yeah. got so much fucking volume last season and and my favorite stat when I was doing a little bit of research for the show here is that did you know that Josh Jacobs though he missed what I think three games two three games this season led the league in forced missed tackles 
Oh, he's a beast. He's like actually a really good running back. Forced missed tackles, a very good running back. Uh, and again, being disrespected, like you said, in favor of these rookies coming in, unproven in the NFL on teams where they're not getting anywhere near the volume Josh Jacobs is getting on the ground. Fair enough. All right. I mean, I, it's just that, I don't know. You're I one don't of the guys trust. disrespecting him in favor of these other cats. <laughs> I just don't you know, trust him. He doesn't catch the ball, and that's your shit. But I just, I just have a thing for John Gruden where I just think he's actually a really bad coach for, like, I, I don't know. Hate like, I hate it. I think he made such good moves in the draft. He had a perfect draft. He's gonna ruin it somehow. He has all these I weapons. He, he I, can... I think you mean Mike Mayock made had a had a great draft. Yeah, and Gruden with his kid, the big biceps dude sitting there like this, like I love it. Alrighty. <laughs> Next up, I don't know where we're at now. Um I have Jonathan Taylor. Obviously he's not in your top twenty four for the rookies. Um and then you have Juju kind of in the next tier, you could say. Um, so back, I'll go back to Jonathan Taylor first. I think this was the best landing spot for a rookie in a three-year window outside of this year. I think he's going to be kind of what Nick Chubb at the start of the season was last year. I think I get Naeem Hines is there, but do they really value Hines enough to pay him four to five million a year, I think, after this year or in two years? I just think Jonathan Taylor is such a beast. I know that you were – um, he was your RB1 coming into the draft, if I remember right. Um, you just kind of realized that he was the dominant running back. Um, is he close to your top 24, or, like, how do you feel about him in Dynasty? I mean, he's so fucking athletically talented. And, and he's a guy that I, I won't own anywhere because of his price. I, I, I like the kid. Um, you know, he would probably – so I've got 10 running backs. Well, do I have 10? I have – I have 11 running backs on this list for dynasty purposes. Yeah. He's probably inside my top 15. I don't know exactly where he lands right now. Cause I stopped at 24. Um, Cause I only yeah. did these rankings for this fucking show. Uh, and you asked and I delivered because that's what I do. Um, cool. He's up there, but I, you know, again, I think this season he, his, his volume is going to be seriously limited. Marlon Mack has n- legitimately never done anything to lose work as a Colt. And I don't think he, the, the coaching staff thinks that either. I think he's going to get the the vast majority of touches on the team. And you, and you may think that the team doesn't like Naheem Hines because they got him on the cheap and they pay him next to nothing, but he's been an effective pass catching back for the Colts. And, and, and I think Reich sticks with him for, uh, for half of the work. Maybe T- Taylor gets half of the receiving work with Hines uh, and he gets, you know, four carries a game. I think that's the ceiling for him this season. Uh, next year, you know, if Mac is gone, I'm, I'd be 100% all in, and I would, I would rank this guy um, high as fuck because it's a great team to be on as a running back, one of the, if not the best, offensive lines in the game, run-blocking offensive lines in the game. I think Reich is one of the best young coaches in football offensively. That team is just just nasty and it was with Jacoby Brissett last year um Mm. good things are coming for this team and this kid if he can get the volume I'm concerned and I'm nervous and I I would not put it past this team to sign Marlon Mack to a four million dollar contract coming back next season. it makes sense though like I'm all about like I'm all about the smart the smart moves when it comes I'm like on top of the Colts Chris Ballard is by far and away the best GM to be honest, yep. in probably the last 10 years of the NFL. Like, I get you can hit awesome. on draft classes, but you don't pull out two all-pro O-linemen and Darius Leonard in the same draft class. You don't somehow put it together a good season with Jacoby Brissett last year and your defense being banged up. 
Now you get Jonathan Taylor, you get Michael Pittman, and you got DeForest Buckner, a top probably eight or ten D tackle in the league to give him I mean, I guess it was Javon Kinlaw, but like you he just eliminates all all possible risk in general. And like I think the Colts, they're probably my sleeper dark horse team for the AFC and people aren't gonna buy him because they love the narratives of they're going to attach on to Andrew Luck leaving as meaning the team is bad, or they just look at last year's record, say the team is bad. So, yeah, I think that it would make the most sense for them to keep Mac. They probably won't, but they easily could. I could see that. Um, but, yeah, I think that I, you if know Taylor – th- you, you just said – you just sang Ballard's praises as, as, a, as a GM. Mac's not going to cost them more than $4 million. If, if it's that, a smart move, I, my money's on him making the smart move. There's a lot of GMs yeah. in the I'm banking on them making a dumb fuck move because they're idiots. They get paid a lot of money, so maybe not that dumb. But uh, I, I think Ballard makes the smart move. So I'm concerned about his volume. He's he's such a good athlete that given the opportunity, and Max has been hurt in the past. Given the opportunity, he's going to be a stud. But So, yeah, I put him in my top 15 for dynasty purposes. But it's a hopeful top 15, and I'd better have drafted uh, a consistent high floor running back as my one going into him as my two um just so i feel good about i would not feel good if jonathan taylor was my running back one coming out of a startup draft for sure yeah i agree with that uh yeah 100 percent um just in terms of even long term because if Hines still stays like what is he he's just kind of nick chubb with you could say better align but really by next year the browns line should be pretty up to par with the colts too you or we hope at least so yeah i don't mind that at all um, so you have a two, three, you have five receivers in a row here. We'll kind of break that down and go in chunks. Um, you didn't have it. I don't think you have any of these guys on your list. So I'm just I, gonna... I, I was just, yeah, I was going to mention that after I read them off. So, okay, so we both have Juju in there. I'm all aboard the Juju train. Redraft, Dynasty, everyone, like I just said, narratives. Like I've been in talks with like obviously the other co-hosts. They were, we, we did our running back rankings. They're just all off Connor because one of them thought he was a timeshare running back and he read off last year's splits um, of games where Connor didn't play, of other running backs getting touches. It was terrible. They think the Steelers are going to suck. They think Big Ben's coming back injured. Big Ben, 38-year-old Big right. Ben, is, is not coming back to play if he's not ready to go, ready to win. This team is going to be good. And I think yes. Juju moving back to the slot, like he oh, – it's, it's going to be so good. I, Clay, I get that Antonio Brown's not there. But Chase Claypool, James Washington, and Deontay Johnson, I think can – honestly help Juju more by spreading the field with four different weapons versus just Juju and Antonio Brown. So you have Juju, Mike Evans, A-Rob, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup. Um, and I can, I can go after you, but maybe just break down one by one player or something like that. You don't have any of those receivers on your list. So I'm going to tell you why you're wrong real quick for each of them. Um, obviously Juju's, I, I think Juju is going to be one of the highest ceiling potential guys um, highest value draft picks out there this season. I love him as well. Um, he's my six at the wide receiver position. A wide receiver seven, 16 overall, Mike Evans. So you did not rank. I know that Tom Brady comes to this team. And I know, again, there's a narrative that says Tom Brady can't throw the ball down the field. And part of the reason is because he hasn't been throwing the ball down the field very far of late. But I contend that a large part of that has to do with the weapons he had available to him his boy, Julian Edelman, doesn't run down the field, right? Give him a wide receiver yeah. that runs down the field better than most in the NFL since Mike Evans came in to the league. And, and I think, you know, he can still throw it 
35 yards downfield, which is an enormous pass. And and Mike Evans, who has been in the top, I think three for um, average depth of target for the, since his, since his career has started uh, great player. But one of the reasons I like him and, and to be honest, one of the reasons I like most of these guys, um, huge red zone threat last year's fourth in the league in red zone targets per game. I know we missed some time in there. Um, and, and we know what the plan is for this team. We know what Bruce Arians wants to do on this offense and it's throw the fucking ball to the two best offensive players that they have. And that is their two wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, the only team with two wide receivers to have more than one week one or wide receiver one finishes in a week. So both of these guys were the wide receiver one for at least two weeks last season. Mike Evans ceiling is so goddamn high that you not ranking him inside your top 24. So, so let me give, so, okay. This whole chunk of receivers you have, well, besides Juju and um, I have Julio up there is they're all like the next tier. So I like, I love them. Ridley and then Evans is my 10. So I have Ridley at nine. We'll just talk about him. I think that when I look at it as Ridley is going to get so much more of a market share kind of to Evans that I think it sort of evens out in production. So I'm going to take the less uncertainty with quarterback change. Cause I mean, Brady, like I'm not saying Brady can do it. They wouldn't sign Brady when they could have drafted a quarterback. They could have, they could have signed Dak if they wanted to. They could some of they, Rivers, uh, as much as we said he's bad downfield throwing, they wouldn't have signed Brady, Tampa, Tampa Bay, or whatever the hell they are, if he <laughs> couldn't do it. Like even even if they want to change the offense to not what it was last year, Evans can catch the ball on the line of scrimmage and make plays. He's huge. He can do these things. So they're going to get him the ball. I just think I'm really all in on Ridley this year. So maybe that's why I have him there. Um, I think the vacated production, the team's going to throw the ball. The team's going to have to score points to keep up with Mike Evans, to keep up with the Saints. So I think that's why I've really there. And I just favor running backs maybe a little more. But that being said, I think all of these guys are fantastic values. And, and I know mean, you just – like you said that in startups because they're going in like the – well, Juju's like round two, uh, three range. But like the rest of those guys are going in rounds four and five of Superflex startups. Because people are overvaluing rookies, overvaluing the running backs, maybe reaching on Daniel Jones-ish quarterbacks that maybe they shouldn't type, not that they shouldn't, but maybe they're just reaching on quarterbacks because they're freaking out. So I think – I just did a mock draft where I saw Juju Smith-Schuster go in the eighth round. In a dynasty league? Yes. (sighs) Just saying. Another narrative where everyone's like, he can't do it without an alpha. Like, yeah, no, he is the alpha. He can't do it without an alpha because he is the alpha receiver. He got hurt last year. That's why he didn't do it. Like, oh, and he tried to play, and he continued to try to play hurt, which is always a mistake. That yeah, players he make. left so many games because he kept coming back, and we're all like, "Don't you don't need to come back? Your team's going to go nine. They went nine and seven with Duck Hodges and Benny Snell, Kareth White, James Washington, Deontay Johnson. Like, uh, people are just sleeping on the Steelers. Go scoop up Big Ben, James Conner, probably even Eric Ebron. As much as it's gross, he probably will be a good fantasy tight end. Because you might go back to the old red zone target days for sure. Um, so we'll we'll head on here to the sort of bottom tier. I know oh, we're running kind of. Long. I want to continue telling you why these receivers that you oh, didn't okay. rank. Go. Fucking look! Do you see the notes on my fucking board? Come on, <laughs> took notes. Damn it! Let go me for it. Let go me for it. Justify my time researching this shit. My, Alan Robinson was my wide receiver eight, way higher than he's going anywhere else. Seventeen. Oh, I love overall. Robinson. Red zone machine. Eleven targets inside the ten yard line last year equaled five touchdowns 
Uh, I think that was third best. 11 targets inside the 10-yard line was third best in the league last year. He was fifth in total red zone targets. Third in targets overall, third in target share on his team. He is an outrageously talented wide receiver that is getting a ton of work. Last year on a shitty offense from a shitty quarterback that is wildly, wildly inaccurate. Should Nick Foles get the starting job here? I don't think Nick Foles is a break the game wide open kind of quarterback, but he's not going to throw the ball seven yards over Allen Robinson's head on yeah. every third. I, I got a, I have a question for you. So yeah. this is, I mean, I think on this show, we just kind of ran about narratives and it should be because that's, that's what dynasty is. It's a lot of narratives. So the thinking is I've, I've kind of been feeling out the whole bear situation for, for me, Nick Foles boosts this team in efficiency so much more than people think he like Trubisky. I love Trubisky. I think if you put him in the right Why? system, he would be okay. But the right system, the, the right system. He the would problem be with to... Mitch Trubisky is he can't read a defense in a play. There's no yeah. system that allows it unless, unless it's and Nagy has done this in games. He takes away the reads. If he's got one guy to throw it to and he throws it to that one guy, which is usually Allen Robinson, fine. That's the system that he he needs a peewee yeah. football system. And that's not that's just not how Nagy rolls in terms of like his offense anyway. So like different conversation. But if this team is people think that the Bears are gonna have a top five pick next year. And I know you're a Bears fan, and I, I'm not a Bears fan. I like like I, I like Nagy, I like the just the Bears in general. They won't be. They were a middle-of-the-pack team last year, and they're adding a more efficient quarterback. Everyone's like, their O-line sucks. Okay, they didn't make any changes to an 8-8 eight and eight team. That doesn't mean they got worse because their O-line didn't change. Like, they obviously added some veterans, players that might see more snaps here and there. But if the efficiency goes up to a receiver that was number eight in full-point PPR last year, and if this team sucks like everyone thinks, more negative game scripts, they're going to be throwing the ball more. They're going to realize Montgomery is – he is a workhorse to me but he wasn't as good as people thought, so they might throw the ball even more. I think the Bears are going to start clicking. They have a really good opening schedule in terms of just passing defenses. I think it's just going to work. So, yeah, I'm all over Robinson. Um, yeah, and he's also, what, 26, also, I think. Also, also, he's liked a couple of my tweets, so that bumped Ooh. him up in my rankings too. We'll have, to get a, we'll have to get him on the show and just me and I, you can hype him I've up. I've been trying to get his ass on the show. for. I, uh, I have a buddy who actually um, tiled his house but I, I still couldn't I still couldn't get my show. Mm. Anyway, let's move on. Kenny Galladay is my next guy that you disrespected. My wide receiver, 10, 19 overall. Um, look, last Kenny Galladay is way better than I want him to be. He's way better than anybody. Where did he come from? Eastern Illinois University. He came from – I don't even know. Nothing good. I think, I think, I think that's where he came from, Tony Romo University. But uh, he's, he's better than he should be. He always has been better than he should be. He led wide receivers in touchdowns the last season. He had 11 touchdowns. Um, that's with Matt Stafford missing half of the season. And, and who was it? David Bluff throwing the ball? Bluff. Bluff. Whatever the fuck his name is. Um, before Stafford left, Galladay was on a pace for 14 touchdowns on the season. Um, what he does is score touchdowns. He was on a pace to be the wide receiver two, only behind Michael Thomas and 30 or 40 points ahead of Chris Godwin last season. Well, Stafford's coming back. I don't know that he finishes the season. Break it, breaking your back tends to keep you out of football uh, more than keep you in football. But Kenny Galladay, even though he, his pace with, um, with Stafford was so good last year, he leaves, and, and whoever's thrown in the ball after that, he still finished wherever he finished. He's still at 1,100 yards. He's still at 11 touchdowns. Um, if you could do, think about the argument with DeAndre Hopkins before Watson came to town. 
He was a stud with whoever was throwing the ball to him. That makes him a difference maker. That's what Kenny Galladay's done. He did that last season. If he can have a starting quarterback all year, look out, man. I think I think the sky's the limits for this kid. Lastly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, go sure. ahead. You fucking take your 14 minutes to interject about Kenny Galladay. Give me no, some. No, go ahead. I was just say the splits with Marvin Jones are a little concerning in terms of a market share. The production's great. Like, it doesn't change. The market share is just I, a little different. So. I went in there to find the splits with Marvin Jones today, only to find that you canceled uh, your I didn't cancel it. I just didn't renew it because I don't use it. Because it's but just the game cool. splits app is fantastic. That's like the only thing I would use. I just use DLS right now because I have another person's subscription because I work for Nick, so they just put that in there. And theirs is weird because, like, I don't know. I don't think it funnels the numbers right when you do, like, the whole game-by-game game thing. I don't really know. So, you got Cooper Cup I'm here. To, I have to do them by hand from now on. All right, I my know, last guy, Cooper Cup, my wide receiver 10 is Cooper Cup, who was the wide receiver four last season. His rookie year, he led all rookies as the wide receiver 26 in 2017 obviously missed the 2018 season with his torn ACL so his wide receiver four performance came um, immediately after finishing his ACL recovery second in wide receiver touchdowns last season third in red zone catches second in red zone touchdowns last season the team loses Brandon Cooks who had a role on the team that was very different than the Cooper Cups but you talk about vacated targets um, that makes a difference. Cooper Cup is a reliable piece of this team that this team relies on to play well, catch a lot of balls, and catch balls in the red zone. Red zone opportunity means touchdowns, and I don't know if you're aware, but touchdowns are worth more than yards and catches in fantasy oh. football, Lucas. Cooper Cup know that. needs to be higher on your list. Cooper Cup and so- Chris got neck and neck for the first half of the season and you got Godwin up there at your wide receiver one and a half or something so the only concern I have with Cup because I love Cup like it's the way he plays I love that he was from a small school too I don't um I'm I'm gonna blow my mind now on he was like the I remember Matt Berry like deemed him as all right so the only concern I have is he's a free agent next year or they can and they can trade him away which I don't know if they're gonna do this 100% 100% he's going to retire as a Ram. I hope so. But they can save 5 mil or 4 mil if they trade him away. They were in deep um, cap debt because they let Clay Matthews walk. They just like, hey, Gurley, we don't want you. We're going to take like a $10 million cap hit and cut you. That shows their table franchise. You don't do that. You don't pay someone and cut them and take a cap hit with no benefit. But today when we're recording this on June 1st, they did the, it's like the deadline for when you have to – finalize those so basically what it means is you can save a little more cap so they saved about five more uh they saved about five million dollars today um so basically what that means is they might be able to maneuver the cap a bit the only thing that scares me besides that is the the jefferson draft um pick i don't know i don't know why they would draft a slot dominant receiver if they have same thing yeah they do the same thing so it's confusing I don't I don't think Jefferson beats out cup or makes him sit on the bench by any means but it's just confusing as to like what the hell they're trying to do when they're a tight end dominant team at the end of the year when they sort of clicked it back into gear last year anyway so I don't know I think it's just a mess um they were I think, they they were not a tight end dominant team at the end of the year when they clicked it back in they were a Cooper Cup dominant team who scored well, yeah. each of the last like eight fucking games on the year I mean, tight end, uh, like, like uh, personnel. They ran 12 personnel a lot. But, like, if they draft Jefferson, 
and they draft another tight end. So, like, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do with – I don't know. They're going to move Van Jefferson to the outside. Watch. He's a, he's a fantastic, like, just pure route runner. Just, like, he, like, knows the game well, so he definitely could yes. for sure. Um, I'm yeah. calling it. All right. So, we will – we already talked about – we didn't really talk about DJ Moore. Um, we kind of talk about him. Back last gonna, week, Kate, dude, we don't have to talk about him. Yeah, You're wrong. Point. I'm right. We talk about how he's a terrible pick at the wide receiver six. And where'd you rank him? The six. Your wide receiver six. You're a fucking moron. Watch okay, your own um, fucking video. I do, I do want to ask you this one because I love Justin Jefferson. Wide receiver yeah. 12, maybe it's high, maybe it's not. So here's the thing, the way I think of this. I think Justin Jefferson, like I, he was my wide receiver three before the combine. He was the most pro-ready receiver in my head that I saw due to – he played in all the big games. He dominated all the big games. He can play any position on the field. Great contested catch, great after the catch, great catching the ball. He didn't have like, – I don't think he had like any drops. And he did this as the secondary receiver on the team. So that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. But they played in the SEC. All corners are good in the SEC. So I don't like that whole – he was only open because they were worried about Jamar Chase because that's obviously not the case. So you got him this high. Um, there are a lot of vacated targets. But ultimately, do you think this is because he is the alpha long-term? I think Thielen's there for two more years, but he'll be 32. There, I think Thielen's there for like four more. I mean, they signed him to a very long contract, but he's already 30 years old as Adam Thielen. And he's, and he's missing how many games a season? I think by the end of this – I think Justin Jefferson this season leads the team in receiving maybe receptions, maybe yards. I don't know. We'll see. I love it. But Justin Jefferson, I think, is set up on a, on a good offense who knows how to use talented wide receivers and, and who, who, who ditched one of their rece- – like, they had a plan going into this when they, yeah. when they let Diggs go. Um, and Adam Thielen is on his way out as good as he's been over the last few years. He's just, he's just on his way out the door as a receiver. He's not a Julio Jones who's going to play until he's 35 years old at a high level. That's just not who Adam Thielen is. Justin Jefferson is going to end up being – I think, I think this season he does he flirts with the top twelve finish, but next year we're going to be talking about Justin Jefferson as a top four, five receiver, and for the next few years to come. So thirty percent of my evaluation of him is a top four receiver um, in two thousand twenty one, uh, and beyond that, I, I I think the sky's the limits for this kid. My favorite thing about him, uh, and the reason he will always be on the field is is his play without the ball like he is a fucking scrappy son of a bitch that wants to make plays help others make plays i think he's a i think he's a winner dude i think he's a fucking i think he's a stud i love, I love him. it I, yeah I love he him. he's insanely good and it's gonna be awesome when he outperforms Diggs because i freaking hate Diggs and dynasty redraft in real life one more guy we we're running a long time it, it's okay this is where the good the good content gets dropped anyways that's right. Julio Jones made our list. And if you talk to 100 people that like Dynasty football, they would not rank Julio Jones in their top 24. But then you break down possibly what Julio Jones' rest of his career looks like. Um, I know a couple people that say that the peak is coming. The peak would have came when he was 28, 29, 30, when the team sucked really bad, went to the Super Bowl, but they really weren't that good of an offense. They were a good offense due to volume, but due to O-line, it was not that great. We've seen the last two years the worst of this team possible, and he's still going for 1,400 yards. There is no peak with Julio Jones. The only concern would maybe be an injury 
coming into it a little bit because we saw that last year. But when he gets injured, he misses like one or two games every year. Plays through that shit. Yes. He doesn't. He he. There is no peak with Julio. So I think we're not saying that you need to take him at uh, whatever spot we have him twenty four and I think nineteen because you can get him in the third round. Like let him fall, take him there. But I I use the I guess I have DJ more ranked higher. Probably just due to the age, et cetera. So I gave the. I mean, the I do. I I also have DJ Moore ranked higher, but I gave the argument that that I would take Julio over DJ Moore if I'm winning now and rebuilding. I know I just said that you need to completely sell, but think of it this way: Julio gives you say three years he retires. That's 34. That's reasonable, I think, for Julio. I think he'll play till he's 37, 38. I, that's just my thing. Three years he's giving you top five guaranteed PPR finish wide receiver on a per game basis. Probably top three on a per game basis. DJ Moore, as much as we love DJ Moore, he was like what wide receiver twelve or thirteen last year. And there's so many many question marks as to okay. what the hell this team's gonna be. And I got so much backlash from it saying that that's terrible the age difference. And I don't want to say that your leagues aren't gonna last more than three years, but take advantage of that. Say okay, I'm planning out for Dwayne's three year strategy. Even in three years, I know it's only what ten percent of your evaluation. I guarantee you I will place money. DJ Moore does not finish higher than Julio Jones, even if we see Julio Jones' regression. And what regression are you giving to the guy that can't score a touchdown and still finishes as a top five fantasy points per game receiver? So I love that you had him here. I didn't know – I didn't even look at your list till like 30 minutes before. I figured I was going to be alone on this. I have him ahead of Juju, and I love Juju, but you can't deny elite production even when they're older, for sure. Yeah. He, so, so he's what? He's 31 years old now. They have him on contract until 2023. And like the dead cap value is so high that even at 34 years old, if he wants to play, he's going to be an Atlanta Falcon. Matt Ryan is going to be an Atlanta Falcon. And those two know how to score fantasy points, whether there's no fucking running back on the team, whether there's no offensive line on the team, whether their defense is fucking trash barrel or – getting others off the field these two score points they they're they're going they will absolutely by the end go down as one of the great quarterback wide receiver tandems and it's not because of matt ryan julio jones is an insane insane human being guys and and he's going to be at 31 just like he was at 30 just like he was is going to be at 32 33 which is still young i mean you aren't that old yet but that's young the, the, and you've already, you've already said it, but the, the thing that needs to be pointed out to people that are staying watch regression, um, I'm just going to repeat you. What Two years ago it was, he could not score any fucking touchdowns. Look where he finished. What was he, a top 10 anyway? Top six? Oh, anyway? he was top six because he gets 1,400 yards and 120 catches a year. He is uncoverable as a human. He is going to remain uncoverable. Uh, and we've seen him bottom out, and his bottom was better than – almost everybody else's ceiling. Like this is the kind yeah. of guy where you you're safe. You want to talk about safe. You call Eckler safe. That was, that was the dumbest thing you've said in a long time, but Julio Jones is literally as safe as you can get in fantasy football has been for years. And he will be for years. Oh, I love that. I, lo- I love that you agree with me because no one sees it the way I do because like, ugh. And I yes. know I can't, I can't use that like your league's going to collapse in three years because your league might be a 20-year Let it league. collapse in three years. He'll yeah. still be done. Take, take, take the money. Go take running back, running back, or super flex quarterback, running back, 
running back or quarterback, then take Julio in the fourth round, and you have four top guys that are going to finish in the top 12 at their respective position. Go get Edelman in the 10th round. That's a reach. Go get Edelman in like the 15th round. Go with Thielen in the 10th round. Even if you're rebuilding, cool. Then just go take Marvin Jones. Go take another discounted guy that's going to finish as a wide receiver too. And then go – and then I think it's just a strategy. We're, we're just on strategies. Take rookies that have volume because those be those are always the ones that, at least from what I see in my last three years playing, that are a little undervalued. I think Justin Jefferson, people rank rookies based on talent. Jefferson is my two – or my three, sorry. I have Judy, Lamb, and then Jefferson, but I think they're all in a tier. I don't know who the best one is. And I'm like, I think that you can get him super cheap, and he will probably be the highest finisher – in, in redraft, we'll call it, or just in 2020. Agreed. Agreed. Look, I saw on Twitter today, somebody suggested a dynasty strategy, and it was this. Every year, uh, take all of your rookie picks and trade all of your rookie picks for all of the second-year guys that people drafted last season. And every year, year over year, you will get better value because – People love the rookies. People hate the older guys. And I know second-year players aren't older guys, but, like, there's so much value to be had if you, if you take that fucking age and throw it out the window. Like, 34-year-old, like you said, like, 34-year-old Julio Jones is going to be better than a 27-year-old or whatever it is, DJ Moore. He's it's probably going to be better than, like, Godwin Evans. I love Ridley, but Ridley will never be the alpha on this yeah. team. But he was – in, produ- in, his term- in terms of final production, will probably be an alpha on, like, 20 of the other teams. So, yeah, I think – oh, yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's very, very good. I saw on top of that, the kill Harry is, like, one of the biggest buys I have on every single team now due to one hit rates, two, no other competition, three, he's a good football player, he's a first-round pick. Someone said they would not take Nikhil Harry for the 112 in a one-quarterback dynasty league. Like, that's crazy. Like, you're getting – what maybe Denzel Mims for Nikhil Harry? Like, but it's, in, people love rookies, man. People love even more than they love rookies. They love rookie draft picks because it could be anything. It could be anything. So, uh, all righty. Well, we. I got, we I got one last guy on my okay. list. Yeah. Yet. You have him on your list, so let's talk about him. He's my running back ten. You've said his name already. I think I don't know where he is running back wise for you, but he's your twenty-one. We're pretty close on his Miles Sanders in Philadelphia. I'm going to go first this time because fuck you. It. You talk too much. Um, I don't know if anybody's told you that before. Probably. So, so Miles Sanders, you know, going into last year's draft class was my favorite running back. I mean, he was a lot of people's, you know, two or three or whatever. I liked him better than I like Josh Jacobs because he does everything. He can do everything really well. He plays, he played behind Saquon Barkley. To me, he played exa- plays exactly like Saquon Barkley less natural talent right but he's he's he does everything this team ran a lot of plays on offense last season I think that's going to come down a little bit I'm a little bit wary of some of the wide receivers on this team um, but I don't I think Miles Sanders is safe yet they didn't really bring in any new stud running backs they brought in Mike Warren who I really like Mike Warren I think Michael Warren is going to threaten some of Miles Sanders work near the goal line eventually um, could be a while I think Miles Sanders is set up to do really well. Uh, unfortunately, I think Sanders is being drafted a little higher than he should be. Yeah, I have him as my 23 here, but I've seen him go middle of second rounds in places, and I'm, I'm not that interested in him at that spot. But I think he's going to have a nice year. I, I listened to a show today that strongly argued that Boston Scott should be taken. Um, 
instead of Miles Sanders because he got used a lot at the end. I think that's the dumbest thing I've literally ever heard in my life. Um, but uh, it's been a long yeah. life. I think what it comes down to for me, and this, this was another argument piece we had because some of them had him, they had him in the top eight and redraft. And they argued that it was because there was not a veteran now, which, okay, yes, valid point. But they, they, have, they have offered Carlos Hyde. Devontae Freeman turned down their offer. That makes zero. I mean, it's funny because they offered him $4 he's million. Wait, he's waiting for somebody to get injured because then people will pay him more. Which is genius because he'll just sign for – it was a $4 million, like – because it was the same offer I bet Hyde got, which is like $1.5 guaranteed with the chance to make four. Freeman will gladly just take a million dollars to be a, vet, a veteran running back. I don't think he cares too much about the money. They're going to get someone. They would not have offered anyone if they're like, eh, I don't really care if you don't accept it. Like, we'll just roll with Sanders. They wouldn't have offered anyone. Yeah. Mike Warren, like, he was projected to go in, like, the f- top five rounds, four rounds of the NFL draft. He's a very viable what they want in a Jordan Howard type running back. A, yes. um, the year before that, they had someone else. Um, well, Here's the thing about a guy like Michael Warren who didn't get drafted but was signed afterward. Something that people need to remember is that um, least amount of running backs since 1949 drafted in this draft class. And the, and the reason fits exactly in line with the, the theme of for running backs in the league right now. Nobody wants to pay running backs at all. They understand that you can get running backs in the NFL on the cheap so instead of drafting these guys, they signed them as undrafted free agents, which you could do for the league minimum if you want to. Um, but these, these guys are going to be used. He's going to be used. James Robinson is going to be used in Jacksonville at some point. These, there are guys, Xavier Jones, going to be used. There are guys that can be used. J.J. Uh, Taylor in fucking New England, going to be used even if they weren't drafted. I think we have to shift the way we look at undrafted free agent running backs this year and probably going forward just because the trend – with backs in general is like, why bother paying for them? For sure. And I think one more thing, and then we'll end it off here with Sanders. Sanders was really good last year. He's a really good running back anyways. But it yeah. took a depleted offense with a good offensive line of defense and a playoff run for him to finish his RB15 behind seven games of Howard playing. They added, they bring are bringing back, as of now, seven healthy receivers from the draft, from trades, from last year. Seven healthy receivers. Say four of them play. Not a chance he gets the target share that he had in the games. Then they get Mike Warren, Boston Scott still there. They signed back Corey Clement. Like, okay, whatever. But they didn't sign him back just to sit on the bench. Like, they would, they would have drafted someone higher or something like that. And one more thing, too. When Jordan Howard came back in weeks 9 and 17, they both played after sort of Sanders was supposed to be the, the workhorse. Sanders had 13 touches or 13 opportunities and 14 opportunities. So he's far from a workhorse, which take that with what you will. He could be very efficient with the role he has, but we've just never seen it with Doug Peterson. And I don't think a coach that's won a Super Bowl goes to the playoffs quite a bit and been very successful is going to change the way he runs his running backs. I still think a 60% share for Miles Sanders. That's what he wants to do. It's what Peterson has wanted to do for a while. He just can't keep anybody healthy. I think he's good. I think he's good. I have him as my 10 and my, th- and you have him as your running back 13. Let's not pretend like we hate him. We no, like him. No. like him as high as some people. I don't want that message to get twisted. I think he's going to be a good player. I think there's, he's just being overvalued by some. I mean, I think that's how you feel too. He's a good player. And if you can get him at the right price, please do, but just be wary. For sure. All righty. So, Long episode, but well worth the time of watching. If you're still watching, like, subscribe down below. 
We got about a month and five days to the draft guide launch. This one will not be free. I'm sorry, guys. Um, we, we need to make this one behind a paywall so we can get a little bit of compensation. But we'll have lots of uh, team previews, probably some Dynasty stuff. Uh, we're going to keep posting this every Friday. Uh, we're going to start posting our rankings and stuff, too, on Wednesday. So it will be one Dynasty episode a week starting this week. And then from now on, um, in season, we'll transition to more um, sort of statistical-based, analytical-based episodes from us, too, because we value that more so than the other uh, ways to evaluate fantasy football, I guess you could say. But Dwayne, anything to say before we get out of here? As always, I'm going to take a shot with you here at the end of the episode. So pull out your booze. Every fucking week. Like, sorry. At some point, I wasn't gonna, home till last night. I, was, I didn't get here till last night. So at that, some that, point, you're going to pull out a shot glass. I'm going to be disappointed. Yes, take your fucking diet Mountain Dew like a goddamn tennis pro and let's, let's, let's get it done. Mm. Hey, uh, good times, man. My list is better than your list, but yours isn't terrible. You, I will say one thing. You are going to make me go change my rankings a little bit. Yes! Because I really like the way you did the 60-30-10. I, I never thought of it like that. And I also threw out the whole, like, weighted uh, rankings big board. So that's going to be in the draft guide now. I just thought of that in my head. So Sweet. awesome. All right, peace out, guys. All right, fuck you.